Venice Township Hall in Lennon, Michigan. So everybody say this with me. Say, every decision matters. Let's say it again. Every decision matters. Every decision matters. Every single one. Every single one. I'm going to tell you a story. So again, a long time ago, back in 1989, 88-89, I was 25 years old. It would have been 88. So I was 25 years old. And in 1988, I well, let me let me say this. I've always been a an adventurous person. I've been a, always been a person. I love the outdoors. I love the woods. Um, the more I'm in the woods, the happier I am. Um, if I'm not in a good way, send me to the woods. When I come out, you'll like me. And, uh, but I love the woods. I love water. I love mountains. I love the coolness of the air. I love the sound of rushing water over the rocks. I love those things. It just, it's a happy place for me. And it's always been that way, even before I knew Christ. But in 1988... Again, I'm 25 years old, and, and there was, we had just had, I lived in Tennessee, and we had just had a torrential rainstorm. I mean, it had rained for days and days and days, and the weather, it was awful. And then suddenly on whatever day it was, I don't remember, but the weather cleared. And I happened to be driving over a road in, outside of Cleveland, Tennessee, and I was driving over this uh, pass, uh, bridge, and when I drove over, I looked over at what normally would be just a small little creek. It was just a small little creek that might be on a normal day maybe six or seven feet wide at the most. I mean, it was a creek. You could walk across it on a normal day. Well, as I'm driving across this bridge, this little creek called Candy's Creek had become a river. I mean, it was raging. The water was rushing. There were trees floating down this thing. And, and first thing that came to my mind was, i got to get on the river. i got to get on that river. I'm going to get a canoe, and I'm going to get on that river, and I'm going to see how far I can go on Candy's Creek. Never considered. Bad idea. <laughs> so I went, and I got a hold of two of my friends. We didn't have cell phones, but I got a hold of my friends, Tim Sally and Mark Carr. And I said, listen, Candy's Creek is rushing the banks. Man, I mean, that thing is overflowing the banks. It's a rushing river. Man, we got to get a canoe, and we got to go down that river. Let's go see what we, where it'll take us. So they agreed. And we go and we get a canoe. We throw it on the back of Tim's truck. We get, find us a spot to put the canoe in the river, put that canoe on the water, and we jump in. And I mean, there was no oar necessary. That thing was raging, and it's just flying. We're running into trees and stuff that's on the water and plowing through and just excited. This is how exhilarating is this to be flying down this rushing river with all these logs and not down trees in the river. It was exhilarating. And it's just, we're just cruising down this thing and flying, and then all of a sudden, we look up this river and we see that there is where trees had gathered in, in the rocks that used to be there. They're still there, but they were just buried. But it was enough to build a dam where the trees had fallen across that river and all gathered and it created like a little dam area in front of these rocks and we were moving at this thing very quickly. There was nowhere to get off. There was no option to take the canoe to the side of the riverbank. So our only thought was we're, we're going to crash into this and, and it was certain. But what do we do when we crash? You know, we got on this river and we didn't consider the outcome. We didn't consider what might happen. 
So we do exactly what we thought was going to happen, and we hit that dam of trees that were all piled up, and the water is just pouring over it, and, but not enough to push the boat over. So what it did was it turned the canoe sideways. By this point, we are all terrified because there's a lot of bad that can happen right now. And it does exactly what you would have expected it to do, and it flips the canoe, and we all three go underwater. All of us, you could not fight the current. We all go underwater, and all you feel going under that water, terror. You're, I was ter- never more afraid probably in my life that I might die than that day. And it's pushing me, and I don't know where these guys are, and it's just I'm banging into limbs and trees. I'm just glad I didn't get caught or stuck on anything, but I'm banging in. I don't know where the top is, and it's pushing me all over these logs and branches and sticks and everything that's underwater. And when I finally pop up, I am way down from where that, those trees were, and Tim and Mark are nowhere in sight. I have no idea where they are. I get over to the side. I grab a tree limb, and I pull myself over to the side of this river. I'm still shaking. I was so afraid I'm shaking. I begin to walk back up towards that dam, and I find Tim Sally. And when I find Tim Sally, he's literally laying on the side. Tim's a tough cookie, too, and he's laying on the side, and he's in tears. He, just like me, thought, we're dead. We're dead. So together we get up, we talk through it, we get up, we go looking for Mark, uh, Mark Carr, we walk down this river, and Tim might even be watching, I know his wife watches sometimes a live stream, Tim, you'll remember all this, and we go walking down the, li- uh, the side of the river, or the cre- river now, but we go walking down the side of Candy's Creek, it's getting dark, and we're looking for Mark Carr, we're soaking wet, we're freezing cold, it was in the fall, we're freezing cold. And we're walking looking for Mark Carr. We walked for over a mile before we found Mark Carr exactly the same way we found Tim Sally, laying on the side of the creek just crying his eyes out. Washed him over a mile away from where that went out. We all went under. We have no idea. We never did find the canoe. Never found it. So we get up. We talk ourselves through this whole thing and we take off walking. We're out in the middle of nowhere and we keep walking until we find somebody's lights on in a house and we go to the house and we knock on the door. We're soaking wet. We're freezing. We knock on the door. This older gentleman comes to the door and asks us, you couldn't do that nowadays, but he asked us if everything's okay. We said no, told him what happened. He took us in. He gave us some towels and gave us some, uh, took our shirts and gave us some dry shirts, the t-shirts that he had. And we sat by a fire in his little house until we were able to call and get somebody to come and pick us up. We didn't even know where we were. Why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story because bad decisions equal bad outcomes. Bad decisions equal bad outcomes. And all I know is I've never, I do not ever recall ever being more terrified than I was on that day at 25 years old. Of course, I, would, I could go back and say this. If I were 25 years old, would I do it again? I probably would because I didn't have enough. Common sense. I know every 25-year-old thinks I'm the smartest person I know. And every 58-year-old tells those 25-year-olds, You're really not. Because I dove into that canoe with Tim and with Mark, and me and Mark were the same age. Tim was a couple years older, but we dove into that thing without any fear or hesitation, only to find out that we were going to meet our great, at that time, our greatest fear. Bad decisions. Bad decisions equal bad outcomes. What does that have to do with this series? Same thing. Bad decisions. And bad training, bad teaching, will lead to a bad outcome. It will lead to a bad outcome. 
In this series, what we've learned is that business and the church are not enemies of each other. Everybody say that with me because sometimes you need to say it to get it. Say, business and the church are not enemies. In fact, if they're joined rightly, they work together to bring about God's purpose both personally and globally. Money, money is not a dirty word in the kingdom of God. It is only corrupt within corrupt minds. It is only, let me reword that, it is only offensive within unteachable minds. So why is it then, if money is not a dirty word or not supposed to be a dirty word within the church, it's not a dirty word in the kingdom of God, but it is a dirty word within church assemblies all over the world today, mostly in America. They're the ones that have the biggest problem with it. Why has that become a dirty word within church circles today? Why is it that the church is more comfortable? I'm going to ask you a pointed question. I'm going to give you a second to think about it. Why is it that the church body, the body of Christ, has become more comfortable depending on unrighteous wealth to do the will of God than in trusting in God's people to be able to do it? The body of Christ would rather take out a loan from the bank. The body of Christ would rather depend on government grants and subsidies than to depend on a people that God sends and makes part of the body of Christ to do His purpose and will. The early church would have never depended on anyone other than itself to do the purpose of God and to do that through the blessing of Yahweh. And yet the church world today that we live in, for anyone to talk about money, to invite people to bring their tithe and offering, in fact, people will leave a church just because they talk about People have left this one. Because I'm not afraid to talk about tithe and offering. I'd rather you leave than stop talking about tithe and offering. I'd rather you go die in your ignorance. I'm not talking about dying heart stop beating. I'm talking about dying in your righteous place, in your faith, than stop teaching. I don't want you to stop breathing. I want you to keep breathing. And then I want you to... Learn to understand what it is to deny the truths of God through your suffering. People are pondering that right now. Because the church is afraid to talk about money and business, because of it, God's people don't support God's business. What do I mean by that? It's because too many church leaders today... Now, I'm going to give you this. For those of you that are saying, well, what about this one? What about this one? I'm going to give you this. There are a lot of people today that don't want to be faithful in their tithe and their offering. They don't want to be faithful in their finances, in their own lives, in their own family. They don't reconcile their books... 
They don't know what they have from one day to the next. They don't pay attention to it. I get it. That there's a lot of people that don't do it today. They don't want to associate money in the church. They want to separate those two things. They want to do that because they've seen so much corruptness and leadership in churches. But to say, for anyone to say, I won't allow myself to believe that money and the kingdom have a place together is to also say, to deny that, is to also say that neither do I have a place in Christ. Let me help you understand that. If I refuse to support the kingdom of God with finance because of what bad people have done, I am also choosing to deny Christ because of what bad people have done. Hmm. It's very quiet in here. Shouldn't, well, let me back up. Let me say this. There's people listening right now and you're thinking, you don't like this approach and I get it. But I can tell you that personally, and you're going to like it as we move along here, but I can tell you that even personally, I had such a hard time accepting the blessing of God for such a long time. In fact, those of you that have been around here for a long time, you've heard me talk about this before. For years, if I were blessed in any way, whether it was financial or any other way, it's, in fact, it's different. It's, if you're blessed because someone gives you a nice car, you don't mind telling the world. But if you're blessed because you can afford to buy a nice car, you're embarrassed to tell the world if you're a believer. Why is that? And I remember when my wife and I, she used to get on me all the time and she'd say, babe, you cannot have that perspective. You, you've got to get over that. You need to ask Holy Spirit to deliver you from this. And, and, and it was this. I was ashamed of the blessing of God. I was embarrassed to say to someone that God had blessed us. I'm going to give you an example. When it was the most visible. Some of you were a part of our lives at this point, some 16, 17 now, 18 years ago. And we bought a house out in DeBerry. And we bought that house, and I don't remember what we paid for it, a little over $100,000 we paid for the house. We lived in it for five years. And when we li after living in that house for five years, somebody showed up, I won't give all the details, but somebody showed up and made us an offer on the house, and they said, if we make you an offer that's acceptable, can you be out in 30 days? We weren't looking to move, we weren't looking to sell. They said, we'll give you $380,000 cash if you can be out in 30 days. Of course, again, as I've said before, our response was, we'll be out by next weekend. <laughs> if it's worth that much to you, we'll just suffer through it. So we sold the house. So now we're, how do I say it? Best way I know how. We're flush with cash. First thing we did is the same thing we've done all of our married life as I wrote a check, tithe check to the church. First thing we did off the sale of our house, we wrote a tithe check to the, just like we did this last when we sold our house 
two years ago. We wrote a tithe check to the church. First thing we did. Then you know what we did? We went out and we bought land out in Lake County. And I'm telling this, I'm going to make it short. We bought land in Lake County and we built a really nice house with the cash that we had that had come into our life by the blessing of God. I'm going to tell you why I believe that came. I believe it came, one, because we're faithful. We've been faithful in our tithe and offering. In fact, I believe this with all my heart. Had we not been tithers and had not been faithful to God, we would have never been offered $380,000 cash for that house. I don't believe anyone would have ever driven up our driveway and said, we want to make you an offer on a house that isn't for sale. They had to be sent there. But here's the problem. We began to build this very nice house out in Lake County, and it was bigger than the house that we lived in. We went from a, whatever that was, I don't remember now, 1,900 square foot home to a 3,000 square foot home that we were building with the cash. And everything about the blessing of God in my mind began to shut down. Suddenly, I was embarrassed by the house. Even though we decreased debt, we had paid our tithe, we'd been faithful in every way, and yet I was embarrassed by the blessing of God. I didn't want to tell anybody what had happened other than the people that were in this house that I knew I could trust and they, would, they understood the blessing of God. And I remember when we were building that house, the same time we were building this building, and the builder of this building, who's now out of business, and, and anyway, we were building this building the same time we were building that house, and I remember one day he had to get some papers signed on the weekend. On a Saturday, for us to, I had to sign on it as the president of the Rock of Central Florida, legally, and I had to sign on these papers. Well, I was working on the house on that particular Saturday, so he drives out to the house, and he gets out of his truck, and he comes up there with the papers, and I'm out here, and I'm dressed in all my gear, my boots, and my dirty clothes from working on the house, and he gets out, and he said, well, I guess to live in a house like this, I better be a preacher too. It was a dagger in my heart, because he doesn't know my heart. He didn't know I was already struggling with the blessing. Some of y'all need to listen to me real clear right now. I was struggling with the blessing of God. I was struggling that He had blessed us. In this case, with that. Could have been anything. I didn't even want to tell the story. And the thing I should want to do is tell the world, I want to tell you what God will do. Will He do the same thing for everybody? Not everybody needed that. He would do the same thing for you. It might look different. But the problem was, I was embarrassed by the blessing and it was so bad my wife would say to me, she would say, and, I would, and I would think in myself, I would literally in my mind, I wouldn't lie, I'm not a liar, but I would think in my mind the different ways that I could present the story so that it wouldn't look like he's just a preacher with a big new house. And my wife would get so mad at me because someone would come up and, and there were a lot of people making a lot of comments, whether in the neighborhood or people, not in the house, not in the church, our people, in, in, at least not that I know of. 
Well, people would say things and it was, it was difficult. I couldn't even enjoy the blessing. It got to the point, I literally, I said to my wife, I said, I just want to sell it. I want to sell this thing. I'm done. It stressed me out. And she kept on and she kept saying, babe, you need to speak of the blessing. Do not be ashamed of the blessing. And I stood in this pulpit, or before we got in the building, I stood in the other, the other rental space we were in. And I stood up one Sunday morning and I told that story. And I said, I repent to you today for being embarrassed and ashamed of the blessing of God. And I will never be embarrassed and ashamed of the blessing of God again. I don't care who's offended by it. So when we sold our last house two years ago that we built 17 years ago, when we sold that house and were offered almost a million dollars for that house, do you think there's anything in me right now that makes me embarrassed to tell you that we got almost a million dollars for that house and we're building a nice new house? And I'm telling you all this for a reason. There's no shame in me whatsoever. I want to tell you the blessing of God is real. And I'm not embarrassed by it. And I'm not afraid to tell you about it. You know what we did when we sold that house? First thing we did, here's the tithe. I recognize, Father, that the abundance from what was sold came only because of you. And you've asked me for a tithe, and I'm writing a tithe check today. You need to hear what I'm telling you today. So I felt so ashamed for so long and so unworthy, and I repented of that. And I can tell you today, I celebrate His blessings now. And you know why? Because that's what He expects of us. What kind of God would He be if He said, I'm going to bless you, but keep it a secret? So Y'all need to hear me this morning. Especially those of you that are offended this morning, you need to get through that. If you are, if you're present, whether in this building or watching online, you need to get through this. Some of y'all are trying to get past the idea that uh, we sold a house for almost a million dollars. Well, maybe you should have too. What kind of God would we serve? I had to get through this. I had to learn this. Just like I'm asking you to learn it today. What kind of God would we serve? If in our faithfulness to Him, and when we honor Him with our first and our best, if He said and did what He's always going to do, He's going to honor how you honor Him. He will honor you how you honor Him. And if in being faithful in our first and our best, and listen, that was a big tithe check. And it's easy when that check is big to say, hmm, maybe, maybe he doesn't require all of this. Think of all the things I could do with that. Or I won't tithe now, I'll tithe later, but first I'm going to earn some money on it. It's going to come back to you in all the wrong ways if you're not faithful. But what kind of God would he be? 
If in being faithful to Him, He said, I'm going to bless you, but I don't want the Amorites, I don't want the Philistines, I don't want the Lake Maryites, I don't want the Sanfordites, I don't want the Eustites, I don't want the Orlandoites, and I don't want Mickey Mouse to know anything about it. Because my blessings are meant to be a secret. You won't find one single reference to his embarrassment of the blessings he pours out in Scripture. Because God is not ashamed of the blessing. And if he's not ashamed of the blessing, neither should you or I. Should not a believer expect to learn how to honor God with their money in the church assembly? It's a question. See, because ministry leaders won't stand up behind the pulpit and they won't teach about finance and they won't teach how to honor and, and listen, there's a thousand, and I know if somebody is saying, well, that's, you're just talking about money, what about all the other things? We talk about all of it, but we don't leave money out. No one would be offended today if all I talked about was sin and gave an altar call. Because in too many minds, that's the sum total of the gospel of the kingdom. That's a very small part. But shouldn't it be so? Should we not expect that when we come into the house of God, when we gather together in the assembly, that all of our churches, because we all represent the church, shouldn't we expect that whoever's leading that ministry will teach us about every part of what the kingdom of God is? Would you rather be taught how to be blessed or would you rather never learn how to be blessed and always wonder why everyone else is? The reason people don't know how to honor God with their money and increase what they have is because ministry leaders aren't teaching. However, Babylon is. Babylon is everything that's outside of the kingdom of God, the world. Babylon is doing the teaching. Therefore, church people are getting Babylon results. And it's out of fear of offending people that ministry leaders aren't teaching about the tithe, which is the seed for the blessing. But how many people, I'm just getting real in this room, in this quiet room right now. How many people under the sound of my voice today? You wonder, why am I in the condition I'm in? How many people under the sound of my voice today are even a little bit irritated that I'm even talking about money? Please don't raise your hand. I don't want to know because then I'll be staring at you as I preach. Even a little bit. 
It bothers me that you're talking about money today. All I wanted to know today, I brought my whoever. I brought somebody. I encouraged somebody to come today, and you're talking about money. You should be celebrating that. You should look at the condition of that person that you brought or your own life and say, tell me more. Help me get past this place. Is anybody hearing me? So what happens when we begin to talk like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and tell of the blessings of God? What happens? What happens? I'm going to share with you a story of Isaac here in just a few minutes. But I'm going to tell you, when we begin to talk of the blessing of God, that's contagious. We can't be a jealous church. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't go over here and, and if I'm talking to Scott and Tamara and I'm sharing with them and I'm talking to them about the house that we had and some of you have done the exact same things, took advantage of the season that we're in because Yahweh by Holy Spirit gave us direction on what to do, when to do it, and because of that, we're blessed. I'm going to tell you, we're not smart enough on our own to know how to make the most of any situation. But with God... We can. But what if? What good does it do if I share the blessing with Scott and Tamara and I tell them this is what the Father did? I want to tell you we're walking in the blessing today. They can take two approaches. They can say, well, why aren't we doing that? And I don't know that they have or haven't. But they could say, these are just two approaches. I'm using them as an example because they love me. So I know that they're not going to read into this other than the truth. They could say, well, what about us? Or they could say, I want to strike hands with that. And I want you to tell me what it is you're doing. Is there anything that you can share with us that you might be doing that we are not? I did not tithe for years when I first came into the kingdom of God. And when I realized the fruit of it, when somebody sat me down and said, Steve, this is the tithe and you're not doing it. It opened my eyes. At first, it took a lot of faith. I don't even need faith to tithe anymore. In fact, it's gone beyond that because now I know if I don't tithe, I'm just... Be careful, Steve. For me, let me do it this way. For me, to not tithe would be the stupidest thing I would ever do because I know what tithe does. But before I knew... The faithfulness of tithing. To not tithe wasn't stupidity. It was lack of understanding. And that's the place too many are in today. And you know why they're in that? Because not many people are standing behind the pulpit and teaching. There's a place for business and the church to be joined together. The church has within it, a tra- it's all about transactions. I shared this a couple weeks ago. I can't go into it again. But even the, going to the cross was a transaction. Christ said, in exchange for me giving all, in exchange for me trading in my life, I'm giving you life. There's a transaction. So when we begin to talk like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when we tell the blessings of God, what happens? It's contagious, Jimmy. It's contagious. It begins to affect anybody with a good and honest heart. It begins to compel them. Again, under the sound of my voice right now, there are some of you that want to know more. And there's some of you who are waiting for just the right pause so that you can move out of the building. I hope that's not true. 
but likely at least a consideration. But to know God is to know blessing. And it isn't only a big house or more money. I'm using that today because that's the thing people wrap their mind around and have the most difficulty with. But to know God is to know blessing. It's to walk in what is blessing. It's to walk in something that would not be possible on my own. What do we need to do as a church? We need to get mad. Everybody say, get mad. mad. Some of y'all said, I'm mad right now. (laughs) Get mad. Every single believer in the church today, every church, church world, the body of Christ, should get mad, get real mad, at every ministry leader that refuses to teach about the tithe and how to plant and have an expectation of fruit and abundance. People coming into the church body assemblies all around America today should not be angry if the preacher's receiving the tithe and the offering. They should be angry if he does not. If I went into a building and he never gave an opportunity to bring the seed into the storehouse, I'd turn around and leave because I would know right away if you're not teaching that, you're not teaching anything that I want to be a part of. Don't get mad because they are quiet or because they teach it. Get mad because they don't. And then I'm going to make this statement. The quickest way to find out who loves money more than God is to receive an offering. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. You want to find out who loves God more than they love money? Or who loves money more than they love God? Receive an offering. Mm, well, I'm not... Mm. Uh, Just another preacher talking about money. Well, you can look at it that way. Or you can say, this is a preacher that's willing to show me the way. What I've never been is a preacher that asks you or anyone else for more than the Father asks of you. Those of you that have been with us for over 20 years, you know I have never received an offering, never said, never begged, never pleaded for anybody. Please today. Do this. Please do that. Never have, nor will I ever. What I do ask, and what I do hold this house accountable to, is that whatever the Father's asking for, that's what I'm letting you know about. So read Malachi. If you read Malachi, you find out very quickly, I'm not going to read it today, but you find out very quickly, what, is it, what does it look like when preachers refuse to teach the people about the first and the best. You hear me say that a lot in this house. Bring your first and your best. Because Malachi talks about bringing the lame, the sick, the stolen, what's left over. If I'd have sold our house, and then the first thing I did was pay off 30 bills, and then if I had something left over, then I might give a little offering on it. That's not faith in God. That's not faith. That's bringing the lame, the sick, and the stolen, and what's left over. And in Malachi, it says the Father will take that and He will spew it back out on you. Not as a blessing, but as a curse. 
I'm teaching. Does anybody hear me today? So the proof's in the pudding. Let's read Luke chapter 16 today. Let me give you some scriptures that will help you understand. Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 11, says, One who is faithful in a very little, in very little, is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you've been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I'm going to read all of that again because it needs to sink in. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. Give me a little, Father, and I'll be faithful over it. I'm not measuring what you gave me. I'm simply going to be faithful over whatever it is, whether it be one talent, two talents, or five talents. I'm going to be faithful in whatever you give me. And I will therefore be faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you've not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I want to share this quick uh, story with you. I am this kind of person. I refuse to do business with anyone that has a messy office. If I go to an appointment, I go to a meeting, and they have a messy office, I'm leaving. Because messy office equals messy mind. Try it. See if I'm not telling you the truth. Messy office, messy mind. Discombobulated office, discombobulated mind. Disorganized office, disorganized person. Messy desk, messy person. No do business with you. When we were building this building, the gentleman I was telling you about, before we built this building and we put out several bids and I went and I met with, I called several builders and they called and made an appointment and I went to meet with them. I took a couple of men from this church with me to a couple of those meetings. But I went into the first meeting, and I got into the first contractor's office, and when I walked into the lobby, first of all, I go into the lobby, and now keep in mind, I am me, and I do not try to be anybody else. (laughs) But I walked into the lobby of that first office. When I walked into the lobby of the first office, I mean, there was dirt everywhere and on the floor hadn't been swept and who knows when I went to use the bathroom and could not it was so nasty came back out waited a minute and they brought me back to the guy's office and when I went back to the contractor's office and I sat in there there were blueprints spread out everywhere looked very busy looked very successful looked like all of that all of that just looked like this man's got it going on and it was such a disaster I said sir you are not the guy And turn around, thank you for your time, and I left. Didn't even have a conversation with him because it's not going to change how he does business. Went to the second guy, it was almost as bad. I at least was able to have a conversation with him. But then when I went to the third guy, and I got to Bill Gray's office. When I walked into Bill Gray's office, he was not a big builder. He was known in the area, but he wasn't one of the bigger builders. 
for commercial projects. But I walked into his office right down there by Boat Tree Marina. And when I opened that front door and I walked in, nice, soft, welcoming music was playing. <laughs> the floor was clean. The chairs were old but nice. The glass looking out the window wasn't all smudged up with fingerprints everywhere. Immediately, I hadn't even gotten in his office yet. Immediately, I knew it matters to this guy. What he makes matters to him. Then the receptionist comes out, his secretary comes out. Mr. Parker, you can come back here. I go back in the office and I'm walking down the hallway, going down the hallway. Everything was clean, nice pictures on the wall. Looked off into the copy room and they had all the blueprints on these little racks that were folded over. Probably had 20 or 30 different little spindles of wood with blueprints. Very neat, very organized. I get into his office, desk is clean. Everything's really small, but very, very clean, very orderly. And before we even talked money, I said, I want to do business with you. Could you try again? No. <laughs> That's Siri. Before we even had a contract, I said to him, Mr. Gray, I want to do business with you. And I told him exactly why. I've been to two different offices and it was discombobulated. And messy office is messy mind. If I go, I don't care what business somebody's in. If I walk into their office, still, I'm still the same way today. If, I walk, if you're in this house and I walk into your office and it's a mess... I will not do business with you. Being a believer isn't enough for me. Because you're, if you're a believer with a messy mind, still not doing business with you. Because if it matters to you, it will matter how you do to others. And he built this building, and I'm not sad about it. Because the details mattered to him. If you are unfaithful in a little, point being, you'll be unfaithful in much. Now, I know that under the sound of my voice, there's probably people with messy offices and you don't like that. I'm saying some things today that could make people offended. I hope you don't get offended. I hope you are learning something today. And you might say, well, you're the only guy that really, that really matters to. People come into my messy office all the time and we do business with them. But I want to tell you something. The quality of people that you're doing business with will change when you straighten up your office. Oh, I do business with good people. You'll do business with better people when you begin to keep your office like God keeps His. Anybody hearing me today? But if I'm unfaithful in a little, I'll also be unfaithful in much. So those of you, as you listen to me this morning, what I want to do is educate you what a church, what does business and the church have to do with each other has everything. They're not enemies of each other. But in order to get to the place where it's properly represented, where the relationship that we have with the Father and the blessing that He wants us to walk in work together, we've got to clean some things up. It's not hard to do. Can I give you some real simple pointers? Right now, when you go home, you go to your office, you go wherever you're at, clean up your car, clean up your office, clean up your space, because how others, what you do with others, will not matter to you if you are being unfaithful in the little things in your own life. Is anybody hearing me today? You're so quiet this morning. You begin to be faithful in those little things and you'll find out you're going to be more successful than you thought you would be. People pay attention to people who are organized.
People pay attention to people who are looking forward to being blessed, not just staying the same. But there's a conflict because as I read in Luke 16, he says, you can't serve two masters. You'll love the one or the other and be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. But then it goes on and the conflict is this that people have in the church. If I read in Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 and 13, it says this. I love this, what he says about Isaac. It said, and Isaac sowed in that land. Everybody say, he sowed. He sowed. And he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. One of the reasons people aren't reaping is because they're not sowing. Then it says, the Lord blessed him. And the man Isaac became rich and gained more and more until he became very rich. Was he ashamed of that? Was Jacob ashamed of his, what the father had blessed him with? The lands, the people, the opportunities? Wealth was not an issue for Isaac, and he had no problem with wealth and loving God. So the conflict is, well, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't, you, can't have, you can't serve God and love money. The problem isn't money. The problem is putting money before God. See, Isaac is a great example of what that means. A man who loved the Father with his whole heart, everything that was in him, Solomon, loved God with everything that they are were. David loved God with his whole heart, soul, and mind, man after God's own heart, but did not put the wealth before his relationship with the Father. What about the writer of Hebrews? He says this. He says, Hebrews 13, 5 says this, says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. (coughs) Excuse me. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I'm going to add this. But money will both leave you and forsake you. What he said is this. He said, be content with. He said, don't settle for. Get this with me this morning, people. He said, be content with, but don't settle for. It's a big difference. If I never walked again, if I never sell a house and do as well as, we, as, well as we've done twice, If the investments that I have in the market never produce another percent of increase, I'm not unhappy. I'm content. And this is why I'm content. I'm content because I know that I'm being faithful to God. And if that isn't His pathway for blessing in me, I'm going to celebrate whatever that pathway is. Because I'm not serving the money I don't owe the money my life. I'm thankful when there's an increase, just like you are, if you're honest. But if there isn't, that does not define me. My relationship with the Father is what defines me. If loving money gets in the way of loving God's purpose, then don't get more money. When serving money gets in the way of growing your faith, don't get more money. 
But you need to know today that you are God's business. You are His investment. And you are His talent. And you are sown. He has sown you as seed with an expectation of abundant fruit. If you are that to Yahweh God, and He has sown you a seed, and He has an expectation, just like the parable that Christ shared, to one He gave one talent, to another two, to another five, and then came back and said, what have you done with it? If it is important to the Father that there is a return on His investment, should it not also be important to you and me? How do we change our mindsets today? How do we change (coughs) our approach to finance today? How do we position ourselves to not be embarrassed of the blessing? And instead be embarrassed by the lack if we have not trusted Him. For those of you that are under the sound of my voice online or in this house or listening to the podcast, however you hear this today, and you're not faithful to give back to God the first and the best, I don't know any other way than to tell you, you are never going to know the blessing. I don't know any other way to help you understand that if we don't believe God with the little bit that we've been given, we will never hold in our hand the much that He wants to bring to us. Is anybody hearing me this morning? When we bring to the Father, and I remember, and I've done this same thing in my lifetime, some of same things that some of you've done. When I first started tithing, and I'm making $100 a week, a $10 check, or cash, however I did it back then, nothing online. It was hard. But it was easier than when I made 200. Mm. Suddenly it's 20 dollars. 300, suddenly it's 300 dollars. Or whatever it might become. The more it becomes, suddenly we begin to, if we're not, if we have a messy mind, because we've gotten it clouded with, God doesn't want my money. God wants all of you. He wants all of you. (laughs) He wants all of you. He wants all of me. And we get to that place where suddenly that tithe looks like, man, that's the tithe is as much as I made 10 years ago. Instead of in our minds... I can tell you when we have a messy mind. I can help you understand when your mind is messy. If if we look at this and we say, man, that's as much as I made 10 years ago. 
And we look at that tithe and we're thinking to ourselves, man, this is hard. Our approach needs to be, Father, forgive me. The only reason I've walked in this and come to this place is because when I had little, I tithed what seemed to be little. But now that I have much, let me come to your altar, to your place of giving and sowing with the same joy that I did in the beginning. Are you hearing me today? This is about as strong as I've taught on being faithful in the little things and the tithe and the offering in a long time. But it's necessary because there are people under the sound of my voice. Whatever level of blessing you walk in today, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, whether it's your job, whatever it might be, is measured by how faithful you are to the Father with your first and your best. You might say, well, you know what, I'm liking it. It's all pretty good. That's a messy mind. He said, be content with, but don't settle with. I can be content with what I've got, but I'm not settling with it. To settle means I say, I'm good with what I've got. I'm going to stop sowing into the kingdom of God. That's to settle. Father says, you can be content with what you've got, but keep sowing. Don't you stop sowing. Don't you stop putting seed in the ground. You need to hear me this morning. Don't you stop putting seed in the ground. For some of you, don't put any seed in the ground. I'm telling you today, you better till your field. You better get some seed in the ground. Get some seed in the ground. Go back and look at what you're doing. Review what you've done already this year. Does it represent the first and the best, best of your income and your resources? I've never in my entire life tithed on what I get in my check. I tithe, have always tithed on the gross. Therefore, God blesses me with the gross. In fact, sometimes it's so gross, it was embarrassing. Gross in a good way. Is anybody hearing me today? I hope you're hearing me online today. Those of you that are watching online, I don't know which camera to look at, but which, whichever one you're... Those of you that are watching online today, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. And some of you that are watching online and you say, I don't even know God, I'm just watching today and I'm, and I'm curious and, and you're really... You're exactly what I thought church was. You're just talking about money. No, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about relationship with a very real God that doesn't just want to heal your body and heal your soul. He wants to heal every part of who you are. Your mind. And there's some messy minds today. Messy. It gets messy when no one's there to teach us and to say, this is the way, walk in it. But man... When someone will stand up and say, this is the way, walk in it. Let's clear those minds up. Let's begin to put those papers in their proper place. Let's put those blueprints over the little wooden rod that's over there. Make it neat. Clean the office today. Let's clean our office today. Can we do that? Can we clean it up today? So I'll go on to say this. So the business part of it, we are all businesses individually. We represent business in the kingdom of God. Transaction. Whether we do it as a person solely or we do it as a company, an organized company. Because there's many business company owners in this building right now. 
But whether it's personal or whether it's corporate, it doesn't matter. What I can tell you is this. What God wants to do with you is only possible if you are faithful to Him. Because if you are faithful in a little, He will make you faithful in much. And there are people under the sound of my voice. You've been trying. You've done everything you can, whether you're watching online or you're in this room. And I say that a lot, and I understand that. But there's people on both locations. Wherever you're watching from, wherever you're part, apart today, examine every part of your life this morning. Let Holy Spirit look into every window of your life and soul today. And if when He's looking through and He's gazing upon the who that you are, when He brings to your attention, this is messy. Let's clean it up. Repent. Don't argue with Him. Don't argue with His Word. Don't argue with what He's trying to show you. Let Him increase who you are. And some of the easiest ways to begin to position yourself to be able to be entrusted with the much is to first be faithful in the little. Some practical ways. Make the rooms that you live in Orderly. Don't get comfortable in chaos. Don't be comfortable in filth. You represent something more than that. Don't be comfortable in lack. Believe God. Believe Him. To do in and through you what He wants to do so that you can be a testimony and you can be a witness that He is God and there's not another. And then when the blessings begin to come, this is the problem with the church is, we're, is the same thing I went through. It's so ashamed of blessing because a few people through time have given the wrong perspective. But I'm going to tell you, we can't let a few people that have approached it in the wrong ways deter us from saying, God, I am happy to be a voice that you are faithful to do everything you ever said you would. I am happy to be a voice. Come on, stand with me in this house this morning. So it's up to you what you do with the words you receive today. It's up to you what you do with the message you receive today. If you get mad, get mad for the right reasons. If you get happy, get happy for the right reasons. But however you respond, make sure it's for the right reason. Because God wants you to be a voice. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to end it with this. Chino, we have got to stop looking to the world to provide the resources for the growth of the kingdom of God. And you know why we do that? Because the church doesn't believe in itself enough to clean up those messy places. We've got to stop looking to the earth, to the world, to truest bank, to whoever it might be, to provide...
for the growth of the kingdom of God. The growth of the kingdom of God. It is on you and it is on me. It is on us. Thank you all three of you that believe that. Because of that, believing in that small thing, He will do great things in all three of you. Is anybody hearing me today? Hmm. Renew our minds, Holy Ghost, today. Renew our minds. There's no shame this morning. If you're here and you'll say, you know what, you've been talking to me, now I'm, now I'm ashamed, I wish I hadn't even come. I want to tell you today, there's no shame. What there is is opportunity. No one needs to know where you've been or how you've done it. What you need to do, if it's not been right, is now make it right. Make it right. I'm cleaning it up, Father. I'm bringing it to you. I'm coming to you. And I'm trusting you. And I'm going to be faithful in every little thing. And I'm believing you for the greater things. For the gre- Too many people have never even known what greater is because they've never been faithful over little. Oh, I'm just believing God for this promotion. But they can't even show up to work on time. I wish my boss would pay me more. Do the whole job and do it with a smile. Take ownership. Anybody hearing me? So, Father, I lift up my voice over this congregation today, the people watching, the people present. Lift up my voice and I lift up my hands and I spread them out over this people and I ask today, Holy Spirit, that you impart into every person the words that you want them to hear, what they need to hear today so that they hear the truth of what you released through me today. I spoke the words that you put in my heart today. I was faithful over what you gave me, and I ask that the people will be faithful over what they've received. Father, may the anointing of God, may the anointing of Holy Spirit permeate, fill every mind. Let there be a cleansing today. Let there be a repentance today. Let there be a changing today. Let there be a knowing today. And Father, if no one else will, let it be said of the Rock of Central Florida, that we are positioning ourselves to not depend on the world for the blessing of God, but to celebrate that as we are sowers, the abundance is on its way. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Now I'm going to do something a little bit different. Be seated for just a second. If you must go, you can. You can go whether you must or not. It's up to you. We're not holding anybody here. But I knew or believed, it may not be true, but I believed when I was preparing, finishing up what I was putting together for today, what Holy Spirit was putting in my heart, I believed that there might be a few questions. I, wanted, I said to my daughter, I said, I want to preach quickly today. She didn't know why, but I wanted to wrap this up and I wanted to give opportunity. If there's anybody in here that has a question you'd like to ask what you've heard today, would you raise your hand? And AJ will bring you a mic. Is there anybody that has something you'd like to ask? Sherry. Oh, somebody over here first. Coming right back at you, Sherry. Thank you for today's word. And um, my question is, how do you, other than, other than every Sunday, share with the community and, and um, 
and just the state and, and, and our followers and people and visitors your vision because I, I, I understand that a lot of a lot of people have that thought of like well you know we, we tithe and stuff like that um, so so they don't necessarily believe 100% in what they're doing or they have to gain understanding um, I understand you we are in relationship and so 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 there's a deep understanding of the finances that happen here because I understand your vision. I know that that there's tremendous blessing happening here with the lives that you impact directly because of your vision. How are you sharing your vision with though with those that do not come here on a Sunday? Uh, that's a great question, and I and I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Where I once was ashamed, and for, and let me let me say this to that. Starting, I'm going to answer the question, but I'm going to start it with this. Um, I tithe every week, even this morning. When I tithe, I tithe with expectation. I never, it's never mundane to me. It's never just, oh, I'm going to pay my tithe. Every time I bring my tithe, I bring it with expectation. I have an expectation. Father, look at this. We, I read the scripture a couple weeks ago where Jesus literally in the synagogue watched the offering bucket as the people brought it down. He watched to see who gave and who didn't. He watched. It's in Scripture. He watched and paid attention to see who brought and who didn't because he was going to, in his mind, he knew, I know why you're blessed and I know why you're not. So those who came with expectation, the little widow with a mite, she brought that offering down. She came with expectation. The one who had a lot had no expectation. Oh, this is my contribution. It is what it is. Well, even what you have, is going to be taken away from you. You think by putting it in there is automatically going to be a blessing. you got to put it in with expectation. The tithe has to have faith attached to it. If all I'm doing is writing a check, don't expect much. But if I'm putting seed in the ground and I'm expecting fruit, it's coming. And I share this because I'm not ashamed anymore, Chino, so I'll give you a good example. The people that are building our house right now, and he might even be watching right now, but the people that are building our house right now, he let me know from the very beginning because he knew I'm a minister. He, know, he knew from the start I was a preacher. And he let me know from the very beginning, I don't do God. I don't talk about God. I don't go to church, won't go to church, don't invite me to your church. He let, I mean, from the get-go. He made it very clear he wasn't going to have anything to do with that. And yet it never stopped me from talking about the blessing. When something would come up and we were going to do something, I celebrate with him and I'll tell him, I'll, I don't text him or tell him, I'll tell him when I meet him at the house and, and he'll say, whatever it might be, he'll recognize that something happened. And I say, that's the blessing, man. I'm telling you what, I serve God. And you know, what, you know what's happened because of that? Because I don't restrain myself. I don't, I'm not, I don't brag. I don't say anything with an arrogance or I try not to. I got to tell you, you come into the blessing of God enough, you, that's one of the, the biggest challenges, not coming at it from the, an arrogant approach, but simply saying, I recognize everything I have, I have from the hand of God. And, and never forgetting that. And by doing that with Him, sharing whatever the blessing is, by talking about that, just probably two months ago, I, I called my wife because I had a conversation with him, and I called Kim, and I said, babe, you're not going to believe what... And I almost said his name. You're not going to believe what he, just, what he just said to me at the job. And she said, what? And I said, we were talking about something. And, and he said, I need you to talk to your God about something for me. And I said, he's not just my God. He's your God. He said, he's not my God. He's your God, but I want you to talk to him about something. And I said, 
If you want me to talk to my God about something for you, then you believe in my God. And he said, he stood his ground. He said, I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in God. But talk to your God. And then something else came up. So now over the last two months, I mean, every other conversation, he'll say something to me along. He even sent me a text. And he said, I need you to talk to your God about. Something totally unrelated to us. It was something in his personal life. Can you talk to God about this and this? And then I text him back. He's your God too. But I will. But I can tell you, do you know what he sees? I'm going to tell you what the, un, the unbeliever sees. I've got to be careful how I say this because this could be very... And, and I, I don't want anybody... You're good. It's just the truth. Because there's going to be people that are in the situation I'm about to share as an example... And I don't want you to feel like, man, you just dogged me out. I'm not dogging you out. I want you to get past where you are. It is growing because you have a good, honest, good and honest heart. But, well, <laughs> I'm getting myself in a hole here. Some of y'all don't. And, uh, but I'm, just, I'm kidding. But I'm going to tell you this. Do you know what the builder of that house notices about our relationship with God? Mine and my wife's. Do you know what caught his attention? It wasn't because he's ever seen me pray because he hasn't. It wasn't because he's ever seen me read the Bible because he hasn't. It wasn't even because he's ever seen me in church because he hasn't. It was because he sees the blessing in our life. All he can relate to us that looks like bless, it looks like somebody's doing something in your life is the blessing. And I can tell you, the whole earth, when they look at the body of Christ, the problem is too many people look, and this is where it's going to get testy, and I don't mean to, please understand the, the just the principle. But if I drove up in a car that had four different kinds of tires... Rusty in every place, blowing smoke out the exhaust. Stop, Steve. Do you think he would ever say, Tell me about the God you serve? Why would I ask you to talk to your God for me? And that's your evidence? Now, I'm going to clarify because some people, you understand, I'm trying to make do a principled point. If you're driving a rusty car that has smoke in the exhaust and four different kinds of tires and that's where you are, don't settle. And then I would ask this, why are you? Are you being faithful to the Father? It isn't about the car you drive. It's the principle. Too many believers are broken down, blowing smoke, and they have no evidence of the kingdom and glory of God. 
But when we begin to believe Him for something and we grow into this and we let Him begin to show Himself alive and full of power and anointing and blessing in our life, it gets people's attention. So He's interested in my God because of that. And I'm not quiet about it anymore, so that's the long answer to your question. But I'm not quiet about it. So I'm, I'm no longer backing down. Somebody says... What are you building? I'll tell you what I'm building. You ask me, I'll tell you exactly. I'll tell you how many square foot it is, and I'm going to tell it with my shoulders back. Not arrogant, not proud, not proud, the wrong kind of proud, but the right kind of proud. I'm proud that I've honored God, and I'm proud that He's honored me back, and I'm proud that He did the miraculous in my life. I'm proud that He's done the miraculous in my family, and I'm proud that He's done the miraculous in our relationship. I'm proud that He's done the miraculous in my children, and I'm proud that He's done the miraculous in my finances. I'm proud that I serve God and I believe Him and I'm here every Sunday. So I'm learning every Sunday. I'm not finding a reason to be away. I'm finding a reason to be present. I'm learning. Sherry. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. I, this morning, am receiving what you have said as righteous encouragement. I received it many, many years ago because my husband and I are walking in the mm -hmm. blessing. And there are things that happen every And proud week. of it. And Not ashamed of it. of it. That's, That's correct. Right. Absolutely. I gave testimony after testimony the other day. And I'm just, I'm so encouraged. But we had to start someplace. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you one place I started it being faithful in the little things. And that is every single time I went into the ladies' restroom. Do I want to know this? There was always <laughs> something on the floor. Good. There was water Good. spots all Good over message. the sink. Slopped up. Good message. Not here. <laughs> Thank you. It could happen here. I mean, it happens. But it, There's it water. It could. But I was faithful to mm -hmm. bend over and pick it up. It's great. Any it's great. establishment I've ever worked in, I bend over. And I'm not ashamed to pick things up. That will separate a believer when we take ownership of our environment. Our world is that space that we currently exist in. Right now, this, these four little slabs are my world. Now these four are. And then these four are. It, we take ownership. Mm -hmm. And it changes everything, and people see that. And then when they ask, I believe in God. God's doing miracles in my life. He's changing my life, and I'm cleaning up some messy spaces. That's a good word. Yes. And this week, this week alone, I went off in, in such a righteous way. But <laughs> I, got, I got the managers. I got three managers in front of me. And I said, do you all know that the water keeps running in the ladies' room? I said, I washed my hands, I rinsed my hands, I dried my hands, I reached for the door, I walked out the door, the water's still running. I said, can you tell how passionate I am about turning that water off? <laughs> oh, well, we knew about that. I said, then would you do something about it, please? Because mm -hmm. someday there might not be water. Mm -hmm. Can you tell I'm passionate about it? Yeah. And they were like, yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. But it's those little things. It's the little things. If you're faithful in the little, yes. he will reward you with Thank a much. You. Thank you. Anybody else? Gregory? I had lunch with Gregory on Friday, 
What a, Greg, I, I really enjoyed that, man. I, I just really enjoyed that whole thing and, and your whole tattoo thing going on in your arm. You were like on fire the whole time we were eating. I loved it. Go ahead. Thanks for that, Steve. <laughs> I enjoyed it as well. Hope we can do it some more. We will. Um, uh, first of all, I want to say that uh, I, I, I'm so happy that you brought this topic up, Okay. And you're right that, you know, most people, they don't want to hear about this. And it's a hard topic to discuss. Um, but what I want to get to is um, what, what would you say to a couple uh, who's divided on giving? One's willing to give their portion and the other is not? Mm -hmm. It's a great question, and it's happened many, many times over the years that I've been in ministry. That's happened many, many times. And my advice is always this. Who's making the money? If, if the person make, You don't have any control over someone else's money, even if it's your spouse. You have no control over that. At the end of the day, you have no control over that no matter what. So uh, my counsel has always been, let's say in this case, I'm going to use a John and Jane Doe. John Doe, wants to be faithful over the tithe and the offering, his wife Jane doesn't. If John's making the money, John, be faithful. If she's making it, you cannot impose upon her a rule or a law that she will not receive. But if it's yours, be faithful over that. And don't let Jane impose upon you her disbelief. Does that make sense? Kind of like our conversation about standing before the Lord you're by yourself. You're not, right. you're not joined at the That's hip right. with your spouse. That's right. So even though um, as you join and become one uh, and your finances uh, are supposed to be one, you can still uh, serve under that principle that what you earn can be yours to decide when it comes to giving. And being faithful. Do you know what? I'm going to give you an example of, of someone who's actually in this room right now, but I'm not going to say their name. But I'm going to give you an example of a couple many years ago. And the wife was a part of the house, but her husband was not at that time um, for different reasons. But, um, and I'd never even met him at this time. But she would every week, she wasn't tithing on his income because it was his he didn't know me. He didn't know the church. He didn't know what, whether we were faithful with it or not. So he was not going to support it in any way, and that was completely up to him. But she would bring her check every week for $5. And every week she would put right on her check $5, and in the memo section she would write her husband's name. I'd never met him. He had never come to church, but she would write her husband's name in the memo section. Every week, every faithful this is many years ago. Faithful every week. She'd write her husband's name. And then, I don't know how much time passed. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to throw something. It might have been a year or two. Maybe not quite that long. And suddenly, he shows up. And he's never looked back. And every week, he's faithful today with his first and best. Has been ever since he first came. I can tell you, Yahweh God will change messy minds if we give him something to work with. Every time. Every time. One last thing. So...
I liked what you said about uh, expecting something. When you when you give, expect the fruits. You know, that made sense to me. It's the first time I've ever heard that put that way because through my years and, and teachings and all this, it, it was always, we'll give without expecting, which I understand why somebody would say that, okay? You don't. Don't give to get, but yet we are to expect that when we sow seed, we're looking for the fruit. We're looking for the growth. We're looking for something. Right. And so putting that towards a tithe, that, that makes total sense to me. I just, I thank you so much for, for bringing out these points and being so honest about it. And, and opening yourself up to ridicule or <laughs> despite from those that, you know, maybe don't feel the same way or don't understand. But the, the way you bring what God shows you is, is just a blessing, well, I, I believe, to that. all of us. I appreciate so. that. And now let me say this about the expectation, too. <clears throat> there is a truth to giving without expectation false expectation. In other words, just because I'm being faithful in my tithe and offering, if I'm expecting that he's only going to reward me with finance, that's the wrong expectation. I'm going to be faithful with my first and best, and he's going to reward me with the need in my life. He's going to bring abundance with it to those areas in my life where there's lack. And, and that's where the expectation... In fact, in Deuteronomy, it says, if you're, I'm just paraphrasing, but if you're faithful to the Father... The blessing of God is going to overcome you. It's going to come up behind you and overtake you. And uh, I didn't read that today, but it will. There's an expectation. Man, I'm, I'm believing this. As I'm looking forward and I'm faithful to the Father, at any moment something's going to tap me on the shoulder. I'm going to turn around. It's going to be this great big blessing. It's going to be this great big man called abundance. Whatever it might be. Amen. i got to say this. Um, in, in reference to what you're saying, because if every person, whether saved or unsaved, will be true and honest to themselves, um, I believe this is right. If this has been a truth in life. You've never walked into a place and you saw wealth. I'm not just talking about money. And you saw wealth and, and didn't think to yourself or said to that person, I remember even as a sinner, I see that and I go, Woo, man, what you got going on up yeah. in here? Right, right. You, it's true. Right. You've never walked into a place that's been further along than you have been and not been impressed with the wealth of that place. Right. And so to me, to, to, you know, for anybody to be offended about what you're preaching today is to say it's really you just being a liar. You're not being truthful. It's true. It's true. Because... And, and, and I even say it like this. It's not money, but wealth mm -hmm. is right. a universal language. Yeah, I don't care where you go. I don't care what culture true. you're from. I don't care who you are. If you walk into a place and you see wealth, whether it's in health, if you are exercising, you walk into a gym, you see a dude walking around buff, you're looking at him like, dang, I wonder what he did today. That's I'm why like, I don't go to the gym anymore. Yeah. I'm like depressed. It don't matter. <laughs> you you want to... You want to do the exercise he did because you right. want that wealth. Mm -hmm. You walk into a home and you see that home lovely. Yeah. You want to do what that person did to gain that home. Right. You know, and so 
I just say, shame on you if you cannot understand the wealth of the father. It's good. He used wealth. Even if with the children of Israel, he took the least yeah. and made them the most wealthy. Yeah. Because it caused other nations to pay attention to them That's right. and to say, men, how, they didn't know their God. They didn't know the exactly acts about right. God or Jesus or pray right. for me or anything. But they knew man, something about them and that wealth yeah. that they had. That's and exactly their wealth right. caused them broke barriers and it caused people to become curious yeah. about what they was doing. And, and, and I'm just, and you know, for me, I love it because it's the wealth of this place from the day, from the first day that I walked in. It was the wealth of this place, the love, the peace, the joy, money too, that made me say, okay, you know, it was, a, and it was offensive at first because a lot of it was not like me. Mm -hmm. And I had to change some things about who I was. Right. And right. even I had to change a mindset because. You, that mindset you're talking about where people have been offensive, that was my mindset. I was like, man, you, you, you can't pay tithes and expect something. You know, you can't, you can't, uh, 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 it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go, uh, you know what I mean. Right. I'll say that, was right. That, that was right. That was right. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, you know, wealth will break down any barrier. If you are a person who will allow yourself to be over, be faithful to the Father and allow him to overcome you, to press down, shaking down, running together, endow you with wealth, and you not be ashamed of that, mm -hmm. it will break down any barrier. That's, That's not exactly a person right. on this earth that you cannot talk to when you are wealthy. And I'm not just talking about a pocket full of money, right. but I'm talking about when you are a person who are wealthy, there's no barrier, there's no person that you cannot reach and be a, 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 an example of the Father to them. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's true because if you go into, and it's true of all of us, if, and again, it's no, it's no condemnation, no um, judgment on anybody that doesn't dress well or, or what have you. It's, it's not any of that. Again, I'm sharing stories that principally could be misinterpreted, but I hope you don't. But if someone walks into a room, if you were given two options, two, two different rooms, two different conference rooms, in this room, some man or some person, man or woman, just dressed nasty, ball cap on, don't, don't, they don't look like they have anything to say, and you look in the room beside it, and there's somebody that's dressed in there real nice, they're sharp, they've, they look well-prepared and well-planned, well-groomed, and you had to choose, you get to choose which one's going to teach you, Almost all people will go into that room with that nice dressed person because they're going to see something. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be there. I want to be right there. And, um, and that is the nature. And that is the nature of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God isn't about, man, let me just say it this way. I hope you understand today that in my words, they're not meant to hurt, to be destructive, uh, to hinder meant to grow, meant to bring truth into some very cloudy areas in people's lives and minds and misunderstanding because ultimately the God, the God that I serve wants you to grow and therefore I want you to grow as well. And the only way that we can get to growth is through teaching. And sometimes when teaching hasn't been done the way it should be, there's a painful process to get where we should.
Amen? So that's where anybody else have uh, one more? I'll take one more question. Anybody have one? If not, we will. Miss Vivian, last one. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's not a question. When um, after I stopped working, I would only tithe off of my Social Security check. And then I started working a little bit for an agency. But whatever I made, because that was such a little bit, I never tithed it off of that, just off my Social Security check. So a couple of weeks ago, when you did the, the message and you did the visual of the Lord sitting down watching what goes into the, <clears throat> into the offering plate, that changed me. That changed my mind. So from that day till this one, if I don't make but $50 that week, then I tithe off of that. Good for you. Because that has you. just brought me up. Amen. And then going to the message that you gave today when you talked about yourself being blessed, I always say what happens from the pulpit, it goes from the pulpit to the door. Mm. So when the head gets blessed, so does the tail. I'm mm. a piece of the tail, so I'm going to be blessed too. <laughs> Well, I know this. Um, next week, we're going to wrap up this series. I encourage you to be here next week. This will be the last Sunday for this particular series. I'm going to address some things. We're going to carry on where we, were, where we leave off today. But I encourage you to invite people to come. If you're visiting here today and you're sorting all of this out, I hope you'll come again. I hope you'll come again because, well, let me say this. You're not going to find something different. Every time you come, you're going to find the truth. And what we will not do in this house is shy away from the truth. Um, our goal and mission is not, I never get up on a Sunday morning or never get up on any day of the week wondering and trying to prepare something that will be non-offensive. That's never my approach. My approach is, how can people's lives be changed today? Father, how do you want to change people's lives today? And however you choose to do that, I'm going to be a part of it. And um, so I hope you will come again. If you're watching online, it's such a joy and a blessing to have you. Again, if you're in, in the Lennon, Michigan area, and you know anybody uh, that uh, you can reach out to, invite them to come June the 4th, 10 a.m. Um, what was the name of the facility? Is Venice, Venice. Venice Fellowship Hall, I believe is right. Township Hall, Venice Township Hall. I encourage you to invite them to come. Share it on Facebook. We're delighted and blessed. Thank you for being here today. And somebody, let me tell you something. Last, one last thing. If you're here today and you do not know Christ, and you're out of relationship with Him, altar calls do not determine whether we come into right relationship with Christ. What determines whether or not we're in right relationship with Him is whether or not re repentance is present. If you're out of relationship with Him today, my words over you today is acknowledge that He is Christ and that you have done your best to live without Him and you realize you can't do that anymore. Ask Him to forgive you and I'm going to tell you He will and we will rejoice with you. He is a good and faithful God and what He wants to do in you, whether you're here or you're there, I want to tell you what He wants to do with you is change your life so that you can be an instrument for His glory. Amen. Amen.